Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of Chelsea Against the World, the podcast that brings together an American and an Englishman to discuss all things Chelsea Football Club. I'm your host, Manny. And I'm your co-host, Simon. I feel that we need a siren. I feel that we do need a siren right now. We have some breaking news. In the last few minutes, Graham Potter has been fired as the head coach of Chelsea Football Club. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mr. Todd Bowley and gang. Wow. We, to give you full disclosure, we have recorded an episode of Chelsea Against the World earlier today. Today is Sunday. We're going to, this will be released on Sunday evening, where we deep dive the disastrous Aston Villa game yesterday. And we both, came to the conclusion at the end of this podcast that Graham Potter needed to be fired yesterday, let alone today. And lo and behold, if you are good boys and girls, Santa will treat you in all the right ways. Graham Potter is gone. Manny, what is your immediate reaction to this bombshell? Only Chelsea can drop this news on a Sunday news. Relief, my friend. Relief. Literally, I was trolling through Twitter, had just saw Sam Kerr's third goal, was trying to find a highlight to post on our Music City Blues uh, t- social media account. And within five seconds, I see the blue statement that Chelsea fans are so used to, club statement. And I thought to myself, it is April 2nd. It's not April 1st. They cannot fool us on April 2nd. That, that, would be, that would be terrible. That would be terrible. Opened up, read the statement, was shocked, shaking. I grabbed the phone, texted Simon, texted John, went through the Slack channels, put out a tweet, end of an error through our Music City Blues City account, E-R-R-O-R. And it is like, I'm buzzing. I'm I'm just, I'm shaking. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I'm... It's, it's it just feels like it was needed. It was needed weeks ago, and Bowley saw our team sheet. He saw the tactics. He saw the changes that were made in yesterday's game, and decided it had to, it had to change. It, it, there had to be a change, and the change is happening, and it's happened. Uh, Bruno Bruno Salter will be taking over the club for our game against Liverpool, but I think there has to be something in the background. I think there has to be a hire. There has to be another manager that they're looking to bring in between now and potentially uh, next week's uh, CL tie against Madrid. Thoughts? Yeah, this this is an ever-evolving situation. This news literally broke 20 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, and we are we were in the process of talking about what we're going to do next time. And... Everything has just been turned on his head. So I'm really happy, really happy this has happened. I'm a little bit annoyed at Todd and crew for not doing it before we recorded. We had a great conversation. You're not going to hear it because it's now all irrelevant. (laughs) So, but my happiness that this decision has been made outweighs that. And it's just so pleasing on many, many levels. Um, We'll talk about it a little bit later on about what happened in the game yesterday and it felt like the final straw. I am so happy that the owners have admitted they've made a mistake and 
stopped stopped it getting any worse. I think. Um, I my worry was that they'd spent so much money on this guy and his backroom staff, and the consequences of sticking with him through this were going to be really detrimental to the team and the club long term because the relationship has definitely broken down with the supporters and the manager and the players from it. And I think we're at the stage now where something had to give. And as I mentioned, this is an ever-evolving situation. I predicted this was going to happen last night, by the way. I I thought that's it. And the, the couple of things that I was reading on The Athletic and a few other things saying that this was close to the final straw. And like Nagelsmann leaving Bayern Munich has created their perfect candidate for this job. And I'm reading as we speak from Fabrizio Romano that Nagelsmann is the favourite to take over and it looks like it could be a done deal already, which is nuts. (laughs) It's nuts. Only Chelsea. Only Chelsea. I can hear the groans, the moans and the sighs from the Tottenham fans around the world Aww. as you said it, as you said that oh poor Dan Willian again <laughs> Willian again oh Tottenham Hotspur uh, no. it's happened again <laughs> uh, seriously seriously buzzing uh, we, we in our discussions this morning from the game yesterday you know we talked about what went wrong for Potter not just in the game yesterday but throughout the season you know, it, it's it's been one mistake after another. And it's it started, to me, I think I lost it. And full disclosure, Simon and I were not at the bar. Simon was at the bar yesterday, but I was not at the bar. I had to watch from the comfort of my house. Why was that? Um, I got, <laughs> I got, I, I went to Miami uh, a, week, a week ago and went to an EDM festival called Ultra and uh, had a little bit too much fun and caught what we call COVID uh, <laughs> from the festival. And so I was, I've been at home uh, drinking a lot of fluids, taking some medications and uh, unable to be there yesterday at the bar. But Simon and I have been discussing, we're discussing the game throughout. Um, and I think for me, I lost it in the second half. And it was just the epitome of Chelsea and her Potter when he made those tactical changes and we discussed in the pod earlier today, but I think it's important that we, we talk about it on this current pod because it, it was just when he, when he moved Chilwell to left center back and Reese James to right center back and had uh, Madueke and Pulisic in the wing back roles. I just thought to myself, has he gone mad? Has he gone mad? You said has he become mad Potter? Message as well. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I, I did. Was like, really, Is I he taking a piss now? <laughs> I really said, is he taking a piss? Is this guy messing with us? And, and to me, that that is the exclamation point on the last four or five months of a Chelsea tenure that was just shocking. If it was any other manager, he would have been fired in the other, under the previous regime a month ago, two months ago. You know what, as well, I think that point as well, I think any other team with... Any other team in the Premier League with that record would be questioning whether they had to pull the trigger on him earlier. And I think it's... I, I admire the owner's persistence with him and the backing because I feel that they want, to, they want to change the culture and that's fair enough. But you can only change that culture under the right leadership. And he is not a leader. He's not a leader. He's, he seems like a very nice man. He seems like a decent mid-table Premier League manager 
this job was too big for him. And it just, it, yes, you were right. Yesterday's game, it just, it turned into something that I think everyone saw. I think this is it. 31 matches, 12 wins, eight draws, 11 losses, only scored 33 goals, have given up 31 goals, a win percentage of 38.7%. That's mid-level, mid-level, uh, mid-level stats. That's not Chelsea Football no, Club. You're right. And it's, it's, it's disappointing. I think all of us knew it wasn't going to work, really deep down. And this is the, the point that I was making to a friend yesterday. Just because you want something to work doesn't mean it's going to. And a lot of the under nine numbers suggested that it could do. But this is a different beast. Chelsea is a different beast from most other clubs in the world. And you have to have someone with a bit of gravitas and ability to manage big personalities and the situation. The situation was getting worse, worse, worse. It was an outlier of the three games where we didn't lose or draw, where we won against three teams who do not set up well defensively. And as soon as we came back to a team or two teams that were organised, the same problems reared its ugly head again. And he panicked. He didn't know what to do. And I feel sorry for him. But you know what? We, I looked at the details of his contract. He was getting £13 million a year. So that's about, what, $18 million a year for managing Chelsea. Whew, what a miscalculation. What a miscalculation. That's almost uh, half a million for each goal Chelsea scored. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh. You know what I can laugh about? Uh, if you told me that two hours ago, I think I would have wept on this podcast, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, no, it's... I think if you saw the game yesterday, when I mean, we saw the game yesterday, you saw two distinct different managers. You saw Emery, who, when Villa went up one goal in, at the start of the second half, brought on Callum Chambers, changed the formation, and became more compact and more organized in defense. And it made us look like a bunch of ravaged beasts just running around the box and just pitting the ball as well as we can. And that was that was a difference between both managers on the touchline. One was seasoned. One has been with big clubs, PSG, you know, Arsenal big club, for the mate. most part. Refused to believe yeah. that uh, Villarreal, <laughs> you know, and, and and has dealt with the pressures of uh, and look what he did with Aston Villa, right on the brink of relegation, one point away from relegation, now ahead of us in the table. Whereas Potter has had, you know, months and he's had and he had. Good players. Everybody talks about, oh, you know, he has such a stack squad. It's hard. Yeah, but still, when you have incredible players, you have it's your job as manager to get them playing correctly. If that means being consistent and starting the three people in the back consistently, so that they can have a partnership, they can understand each other, they can communicate with each other. That's what you do. You don't make changes by putting in Batty Shield, then taking him out, putting in Kukurov, then taking him out, putting in. Reese James, right center back, when he has no communication with Koulibaly. He's used to communicating with Thiago Silva. It, it, it was just a compounding mistake after mistake after mistake. There is some blame to the players, but ultimately the manager is at fault, and that's what cost him his I agree, and I think I'm very keen to press that 
I do not absolve the players of any blame here. The level of ability that our players have across the board, really, you can you can pick apart certain players not doing exactly what they should be doing in terms of the levels that the others are meeting. <clears throat> but even if you just throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks, like with some of these players, you would expect better levels of performance. And I think it's been a, a mistake from the ownership, the players and the manager. It's been a combined mess. And I'm just, I'm delighted that they've taken steps to fix it. And it, it, sh- it shuts some of those doubters up. Like, I hear the same old rubbish from a lot of other rival supporters saying, you know, there's ownership, they're not really in it, they don't know what they're doing. You know what? It takes a lot of balls to make a decision and then admit you've made a mistake. It really does. And I think it went on longer than we anticipated it to and would have liked to. But I feel now that the right infrastructure is in with the club now that they'll make the right decision. And some things I've been reading literally in the last few minutes on The Athletic about Vivelle, uh, who's the new technical director who we brought in after we hired Potter, has been pushing to get Potter out for months and bring in Nagelsmann. And he he was the one who basically got through to Bodhi and Egbali yesterday saying it's it's time time to finish now. So that is that's great. And he has a relationship with Nagelsmann at Hoffenheim and at uh, RB Leipzig. So there is a track record between them working with each other. Um, I think Potter also in his press conference yesterday, when you start quoting XG stats oh, in your press conference. It's hard. Hard to listen to. It, 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 that's when you know you've lost it. And Simon and I are not big on analytics. Yes, they play a certain role, but you cannot keep talking about XG chances created when the ultimate stat is goal scored and did you win the game? And he was losing in his press conferences. It was like a, it was like a script, you know, like open AI chat GPT could, you could just try it. Hey, create, you know, create Potter's press conference for tomorrow's game. Yeah. The boys gave it. They're all after David, there's always disappointment. There's always a feeling we've, we've not moved forward. That's fair to say. It's the same verbiage week in and week out. And, and, and that's, that, that's just not, you know, Tuchel yesterday when 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 they beat uh, Borussia Dortmund, he said, you know, they won. They won by four goals, but we still have a lot more to prove. We didn't play our best. It's a team that beat Dortmund by four goals. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the difference of, of, of the managers. You have a level of expectation. And that's what we need. That's what Chelsea needs, especially with the personalities on this team. It's 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 a difficult group to deal with when you have thirty-seven players, right? Yeah. But you know, the point I agree. But also, you're telling me which manager in the Premier League wouldn't want that embarrassment of riches in their squad? Every other manager would say, "I would rather have thirty-three top-class players in some of the dross in some of the teams." And a good manager would have figured it out a better formula to improve the team, to improve it. I can't think of any player who he has made better. Not one. Kepa, but the same pro- underlying problems the box, are still maybe. there. The, the, the bringing in of... I thought he was one of those managers who would bring in youth players and trust them. And he, he looked like he was trying to do that at certain points in the season when it was really bad. And at that point, I actually had more patience with him because I was like, I was thinking to myself, okay, he's going to try and bring these young players in. 
maybe phase out some of the players who don't want to be there. That's I, I, I can get on board with that. But then he reverted back to playing like listen, Hakim Ziyech is not one of my favourite players. He never has been. Yes, both of us. Very true. Um, and he doesn't want to be at Chelsea, and that's fine. I don't begrudge him for that. It hasn't worked. Let's just admit it hasn't worked. He was literally out of the door going to Paris to leave Chelsea. And two days later, he's brought back into the team when the transfer falls through. And his place, he takes the place of a player like Carney Chipmaker or Lewis Hall, who've been fighting and playing at a good level, who we want to invest in the future of these players. What is the point of playing a player like him or Pulisic, who don't want to be at the team, in the team or at the club. So just a mistake after a mistake. It was muddled. Everything was a mess. There was no strategy. There was no forward planning with... When you're building a system, you have to build it around a base of players. And he hasn't made anyone better. In fact, I would argue that he's made quite a few of our players worse. Yeah, that makes him out. Yeah. You know, Mount, player of the year, two years in a row... Granted, he was not in good form for the first couple of games with Tuchel, but still, you know, he he was given every opportunity under Graham Potter before his recent "quote unquote" injury. You know, he's he's been out of yeah. form. He has been out of form. You know, we spent money on Aubameyang. What's he been, what's he, what's he done? Yeah, nothing. Right? I mean, obviously, he's not given any chances to play. But you know, it, it's it's a common common story with Graham Potter. It's it's always been the same thing in the last four or five months with Chelsea. And the era is over, Simon. It is over. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, so I think I'm really happy that they've taken the decision to get rid of him because it had to be done. If we want to salvage anything, and the lo- I think the long-term project needed for him to go because I think it was starting to be detrimental to, to the long-term planning. And yeah, I think better late than never. Yeah. I think if you take a look at this team and the epitome of the Potter's tenure was shown in yesterday's game, tactically wrong 11 on the pitch in the beginning. And we talked about that in our chat mid game substitutions. What the fuck, you know, no end product, no, no like acumen and, and, and sort of inspiring the players off the pitch, you know, part of, part of the job of the coach is not just, you know, talking to the players, making decisions, but it's also to get, to show some energy on the touchline because that transcends into the player's output. People people can say that, but look at Klopp, look at Pep, even look at Tuchel, look at Conte. Their animation on, on the touchline does inspire the crowd. It does inspire the players. It may be theatrical tactics and people can make fun of them, but, but, but it does help. But you just see Potter there on the sideline just staring at his notebook, talking you know, with his hand over his mouth, talking to his, you know, his assistant coaches. You have to have a sense of emotion on the touchline to get your players motivated. And then at the at the end of the game, the press conference, my goodness, it was just we, we it was scripted. We put it in our chat. Well, the boys gave it as all, well. and he said it. He said it. 
He literally said you know, that. It's, oh, and I was... Okay. Yeah, I was about to say that, going back to your point about the analytics and aspect of it, and I think he's obviously an incredibly analytical guy, and he uses data and analytics to steer much of his management. And you know what? My thoughts on it is that you can utilize data to help you build a picture, but there's certain subjective elements to it that you can't analyze, in my view. And that is the emotion of the sport and the, the psychology surrounding it. And I'm sure he's very well equipped in that first part of it, but I just don't think he has the ability to motivate on a level that you need in top-class sport at that top level. That's the difference makers of the winning managers. They have not just the, the best strategy, the tactics, but the mentality in the right moment. And honestly, I don't know about you, but when we beat Dortmund in the Champions League, watching Potter afterwards... It looked like he couldn't believe he was in the position he was in. He couldn't. He was so happy. He was like, "I can't believe I've done this. This feels like a real achievement." And fair play to him. I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never going to be a manager in a Champions League game where I beat Dortmund. But when you get paid 13 million pounds a year, this is a minimum expectation of what you need to do. Like. Enjoy the moment, absolutely, but don't feel like you've won the World Cup or won the Champions League in that moment because you haven't. It's a part of a building block, and I just think he doesn't have that cutting edge mentality. He might develop there. I'm not convinced. I feel he'll end up. He's, he should be at Tottenham. He's perfect for them, really. Yeah. He'll never. He'll never win anything. They'll never what? win anything again. They're a match, match yeah, made in I, heaven. I, I think. I think you'll see Potter maybe take the rest of the season off or maybe move to Spurs or even possibly Leicester city. You know, those are two destinations that, you know, they, you know, them sacking Brendan Rogers today, uh, two destinations for him. But what does this mean for the game against Liverpool coming up on Tuesday? Simon. It's a very good question. I think the new manager bounce aspect is an overrated thing and it doesn't actually exist. However, I think the team has been in such free fall that we have quality players who could win that game. And we actually, we deep dived into this in our pod that we are not going to release because we talked about how Potter was going to somehow manage this situation. But I feel that this Liverpool team is very beatable, very, very beatable. And if we have a structure we have a structure that can make us tough to beat. We can we can win. Easily win. If yeah. now that we don't have him in charge, I feel that the players didn't want to play for him. The strategy was a mess. We didn't know what was going to happen. I feel that if a coach just goes in there and breaks it down and is this guy is going to be an interim coach. We know that for a fact. He just don't lose on Tuesday. That's all all we ask. But I think we can I think we can I think we can beat them now. I feel that the crowd will be with us now. The crowd will be with the team. Stafford Bridge should be rocking. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I was just going to say the bridge is going to be buzzing. It is going to be buzzing on Tuesday, I think. You're going to see a lot more energy. You may even see a Mason Mount start. You know, he 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 always shows up for Liverpool. We don't know, you know, what's going on in terms of his injury. Him being on the bench in the last game kind of proves the fact that he may be back to match fitness. But he's a player that We'll look at this opportunity under Bruno and maybe get a start. I think you'll see N'Golo Conte starting. 
um, his 20, 30 minute cameo. I think he was, we talked about in the not published pod about how he was one of the bright spots, him and Chilwell, uh, and yesterday's disastrous match. And I think this Liverpool team, especially in their midfield, I think it's, it's a very, very in their backfield. Also, it's a very vulnerable team. Of course, Gapko is hitting his stride. Salah's Salah is most Salah. And it depends if, you know, who's going to play Nunez or, um, Jota, you know, in the other spot. I, I think, I think I may disagree. You know, of course, I don't know much about analytics and we talked about our, uh, our analytics discussion before, but I think there may be a manager bounce in this one. Mm-hmm. Not, it may not be in the players, but it could be in the crowd. I think, I think, and that, that can play a role in, in, in how the players respond. If the crowd is in the game, we have to come out firing. We have to come out firing in this game. We have to. Otherwise, if Liverpool score the first or second goal, it would be deflating against this team. I agree. But you know what? I think the, the fans will be more patient on Tuesday if we do go behind. I think they will. I think the 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 toxicity around Stamford Bridge from what I heard yesterday was is borderline really nasty. And I think that we can, yeah, it can only be good on Tuesday. Listen, a new guy is not, not going to have much time to work with the players. I think he will come in and think, you know, just get back to basics. Let's put players in their correct positions for a start. Let's put players in their correct positions and let's make ourselves hard to beat on Tuesday because Liverpool is still dangerous and they can hurt us. So it's a question of, let's go back to our strength. Let's go back to Chelsea defensive solidity. That's what we know that we can do. And let's let's, let's try and yeah. keep it close on Tuesday because I was worried that it was going to be 3 or 4-0 against them, to be honest, because I feel that Liverpool have that in them. And, you know, it still might be, but I just, I think we just have to tough it through Tuesday and see what happens because... This is a, a good a good thing. It should have happened before the international break because then it would have given the guy two weeks to work with the team. But let's not let's not talk about semantics here. But I think, yeah, I, I think. Quick question: Do you think Havertz plays on Tuesday? You yes, think? I think I, I think Havertz will play. I think Felix will play. I think Mount will play. What about Aubameyang? And I think you'll see. No, no. I think you'll see an Enzo Conte midfield. I think Kovacic has played a lot. Of, he logged a lot of minutes in the international break and played, what, around uh, 60, 70 minutes, or no, 80 minutes in the last game. And so I think he'll come off the bench, but I think you'll see Angola Conte start with uh, Enzo in the midfield, Mount, Felix, Havertz up, th- up top, and then hopefully our wing backs where they should be. Oh, let's hope so, huh? I, uh, I still. Still in shock that this has happened. To be honest, it's very uh, did not expect it to be happening today. Even though I'd heard little little rumours that it would do, but so it's always Chelsea messing up the news feed on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was telling Simon um, I was rage cleaning my garage yesterday. I was so angry, so angry from from the match yesterday that. I had to dispel that anger somehow, and I just cleaned out my whole garage. I'll post pics <laughs> on Twitter. You can you can follow really us on Twitter job. and see the pre post 
Yeah, pre-post Manny anger cleanup. Uh, but I think that today, this is like a breath of fresh air. April 2nd, 2023, you know, Chelsea returns. And I think we're going to have a good remainder of the season. I think that who knows, you know, is this 2012, 2021 all over again, Simon? You know, you know, stranger things have happened. I'd argue that we've probably got better players now than we did in 2021. I think you look at the whole squad. Yeah. I think we've got better players, maybe missing some leaders. Rudiger was huge, obviously, but, um, I think we've got a good chance. We've got a good chance. Now, I think we have a chance. I didn't think we had a chance under Potter. I was telling people yesterday, I said, everyone was like, well, we're going to win the Champions League. I was like, I think everyone better prepare themselves for us not winning the Champions League. But we could do. Stranger thing, if we get Nagelsmann in charge and we beat Real Madrid and it sets up two called Nagelsmann in the semi-final, wow. There's, what a narrative. And we could, you know, who knows? Who knows? Of yeah. um, Chelsea against yeah, the world, right? And this is, I'm just waiting for the inevitable influx of messages from all our friends who are supporters of some of the other, other shit muncher teams across, across England <laughs> saying that, oh, this is such a Chelsea thing to do. And I'm like, damn right it is. We do not put up with second best or 11th best in this case. It's, it's, it's chaos at its finest, and they're going to say you're going to have the English pundits, just like when Lampard got fired, talked about how he needed more time. The same people that were questioning Chelsea's tactics under Potter are now going to come out tomorrow and the next day saying, what's wrong with Chelsea? At some point, it has to be the club, not the manager. Yeah. This is what they do. This is what they do. This, this, is, this is the English media at its best and at its worst. And so you're going to, you know, Chelsea fans out there, be prepared we're going to be targeted just like we've had in the last 10, 15, 20 plus years. It's going to happen, but just know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are going to be looking good this year. I think. You know what? I think it's important for next year more than anything. I think it, the, the longer this went on, the more detrimental fact it had on effect we was going to have on next season because who was going to, who wanted to, who would want to join us with him in charge when, they're not guaranteed game time. They he chops and changes the lineup every week. I think it's really important now that we laser focus on the right thing to do and not a knee-jerk reaction. I would rather them if it is Nagelsmann and they've decided that, but because he's come on the market now and he's been their guy, I'm fully behind it. And I I like his credentials. I think he's done a great I can't believe he was fired from Bayern Munich, to be honest. I think it's an outrageous decision. But if he's the perfect guy, great. If he's not, let's take our time and figure it out because it needs to happen. All right. Playing devil's advocate. Yep. Okay. If, if it isn't, if, if for some unforeseen circumstance, it's not Nagelsmann, what do you do? Do you play out the year with Bruno and let him play through the champions league? Or do you, what are the other options on the table? That's a pretty good question. I don't, I don't know really what my thoughts are, to be honest, because I was starting to steel myself to the idea that he was going to get to the end of the season. I think you have to... There's no one who really screams out to me that is an ideal candidate. I remember when Lampard was fired 
and Tuchel was hired, to be honest, I was like, he's the best guy on the market. That makes a lot of sense. He's really the only candidate. To me, he, Nagelsmann really is the only candidate. <laughs> like, I can't really... Like, Luis Enrique, yeah. I'm sure, would do a good job. But if we're talking about the long-term goals of what they want Chelsea to be now, it seems like Nagelsmann is the choice. And it, I think he wants it. And yeah. with Vivell, who's the technical director, has worked so closely with him, it just seems like the stars are aligning a little bit. Um, yeah, and, and not just at one club, but yeah. two separate clubs. So I think I'm with you. I, I think... Uh, I think Byron firing Nagelsmann, I think, sort of added that reaction from Todd Bowley and Chelsea to make a decision. And I think, I think, I think he is going to be the next manager to the detriment of our friends and foes uh, in North London. Uh, but I, I think, I think he is going to be the next manager. Okay, that'll wrap things up for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to Chelsea Against the World. This has been a crazy last-minute podcast that we've put together today after our, <laughs> our irrelevant podcast that we recorded earlier, which will go to the depths of the ether where they will never be heard by anyone but us. But we appreciate you tuning in to the show today. And uh, Manny's got some details on our sh- socials and email address. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for listening to us today. Please follow us on all of our social media accounts on Twitter, CATW Podcast, on Instagram, CATW Podcast. And please email us any questions, comments, concerns that you have at podcastcatw at gmail.com. That's podcastcatw at gmail.com. See you guys next week.